Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. Um, so we got a show for you guys today with uh, some things that uh, I read about this morning. That's what I usually do. You do my usual morning reading, find things that uh, are of our interest, and then talk about them. <laughs> so uh, without further ado, uh, first off, shout out to the channel members as usual. Thank you guys for joining and becoming a member of the channel itself. Really appreciate you guys for that. Um, also, for those people who are just checking out this uh, live stream for the first time, it'd be amazing if you guys click that subscribe button and also the bell icon to be notified when I go live. So, uh, yeah, just hit the bell icon, hit select all. You should get all uh, notifications then. Um, for those people that do join in and check out the live stream, uh, please feel free to let me know how the live stream is doing. Uh, because, yeah, we have... Um, we have active Wi-Fi at home, so I'm not relying on any of the hotspots right now. Um, also, on top of that, if you're on the Facebook side, uh, right there, before you click to watch the live stream, there's a little synopsis. And if you scroll all the way to the bottom, it gives you a link, streamyard.com forward slash Facebook. Select that. Follow the prompts. It'll allow your actual name on Facebook to be visible in the comment section when you guys uh, post a comment. So, uh, just a little bit of heads up on that. Um, so today, what we're going to talk about today? Well, um, as the title implies, so we are going to talk about the OnePlus Nord 2, some information that's being dropped about that. We are going to discuss the uh, Nintendo Switch model that might be coming later on this year that is supposed to have a 4K output and using a Samsung OLED display panel. Google VR dreams are dead. We're going to be talking about that and how... Uh, Another thing's been added to the Google Graveyard, which is Google Cardboard. And we'll talk a little bit more about Google Pixels at the end of this. Um, just, you know, it is what it is. So, <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the show. Um, so, first off, let's just kind of go right into the uh, the OnePlus Nord 2. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I will drop the link in the chat so that way people can read it later on or kind of bookmark it. Um, or read along right now. So let me grab this link. We'll put it in the chat. We'll get going with this. Um, boom, there it is. <laughs> so anyways, this comes, this hails from us from the uh, awesome Android Authority. Um, I don't want to get notifications right now, but it says leak. OnePlus Nord 2 set for flagship level chipset, but not from Qualcomm. That's interesting. So who are they going to go with? <laughs> so it says the OnePlus Nord 2 is reportedly in the works. It is said to support a flagship MediaTek chipset for the first for OnePlus. The phone's expected to debut quarter two of 2021. Uh, I don't know how I feel about OnePlus going with MediaTek, but I mean, we'll have to see. So All right, let's get into this. So it says here, verbatim, the OnePlus Nord launched with ambitions of breaking into the mid-range market. Since then, the line has seen two additional models arrive, serving even lower price points. Now it seems that OnePlus Nord 2 might be aiming a little higher than its predecessors. According to the info gained by Android Central, the OnePlus Nord 2 is upgrading its silicon in a big way. While OnePlus has traditionally opted for Qualcomm hardware, the Nord 2 will reportedly be the first to wear a MediaTek chip. More notably, it won't be a middling chipset either, but 
the uh, dement, uh, Dementity, 1200. The MediaTek flagship silicon launched in January of 2021 and brought with it an octa-core layout, a 3 gigahertz Cortex-A78 prime core, 5G plus 5G dual SIM support, and display refresh rate support for QHD plus at 90 hertz refresh. It's quite a step up over the Snapdragon 765G of the original Nord in terms of power and feature. So um, for them going uh, going that route, hey, Blaze, good morning. How are you doing today, by the way? Um, for them to, with the OnePlus Nord 2, to totally ditch Qualcomm in favor of MediaTek, here's the problem that I see with this, and that is... With a lot of devices that has released, whether it's been the ZTE device, whether it's been the Xiaomi, whether it's been, you know, um, what else? What else is there out there? Uh, Kyocera, you know, various, um, you know, different uh, manufacturers. When they seem to use MediaTek, sometimes, most of the time, it doesn't yield very good performance. I think the only device that I've used that had a MediaTek processor chip inside of it would be the LG X Power that was released years ago on Boost Mobile. That phone was a beast when it came to battery life, but it performed very well too for what I used it for. Of course, the placebo effect would happen today as if I was to like pick up the LG X Power and start using it as my daily driver, which you know is kind of hard to do. Um, I would probably see the chinks in its armor, but MediaTek seems to be in my opinion from what i've seen one of the top like not top processor chips that people love to use but one of the top ones that people tend to hate <laughs> so i'm not entirely sure if this is going to be a good fit for oneplus to actually use mediatek this could be a trial by error type thing where they'll just give it a shot just to see how it goes and if it doesn't do so well well then you know they'll they'll pretty much ditch it i mean there is that sophomore effect that's going to happen, uh, not just with music, but also with smartphones in general. Um, so, yeah, let's kind of read a little bit more here. Flagship. Um, it says, of course, this is just part of the story. While the silicon upgrade is welcome, we've yet to hear any word about additional specs. It does seem possible that OnePlus could reposition its range-topping Nord model, though. But by how much? If OnePlus aims too high with rumors of a lower-end OnePlus 9 model also in the works, the firm could risk cannibalizing its lineup. That is very true. OnePlus now also has the Nord N10 and Nord N100 as rear gunners in the mid-range tier. Earlier this, this month, news of a OnePlus Nord N1 also broke cover, suggesting that this would be the effective replacement of the original Nord. Not much is known about this model, though, or if it was indeed an early name of the Nord 2. Nevertheless, we should know more about the device shortly. The report suggests we'll see the OnePlus Nord 2 debut quarter two of 2021. What are your thoughts on the MediaTek-powered OnePlus model? Would you buy it? <laughs> That's a very good question. Very good question at the end of it here. Um, so let's just, just be a little bit realistic about this. Um, OnePlus Nord 2 using a MediaTek chip. I mean, first of all, yes. Uh, the, one, the OnePlus 9 is what they refer to it as. Um, 
they're going to have like a lower end model of the OnePlus 9. They definitely don't want to make a device that is going to cannibalize it. This tends to happen quite a bit. Google Pixels is um, its next release of the Pixel 5a, kind of like, you know, this is the fear that, that people have with that, is that the uh, 5a would cannibalize the 4a 5G or vice versa. When you release devices that are very, very close uh, in specifications and with um, performance, uh, yielding minorly different pricing. It, you know, one is going to fall. One is going to fall flat on its ass. Just literally, it's going to fall. You, you know, because then, you know, if people look at it, let's say like, like, like you know, between the OnePlus Nord 2 and then the, the OnePlus 9, the the, um, the base model, let's just call it the base model, the, the OnePlus 9. Uh, let's say that the difference between them is $50, a $50 difference, right? And then, you know, you're pretty much going to kill the OnePlus Nord 2 because people are just going to opt to go with the OnePlus 9. I mean, again, OnePlus 9, hold the name itself holds a lot of weight. The weight that it holds is recognized by a lot of people in the tech industry. Those that report on it, those that use it, consumers that are fans of it. The 9 is a recognizable name. So Nord 2 would kind of lose its footing there. And I get, you know, like, like they say, they're, they're trying to bring it to flagship specifications at a low price. That has always been the moniker of OnePlus, right? When OnePlus was known as the flagship killer, that's what that's why it was given that name. It was given that name because uh, it was supposed to bring you flagship specs, flagship performance at a cheaper price. So, I mean, where does it go from here? What is going to happen? Who knows? Um my concern is, is that MediaTek chip. That is my concern. Above all anything, that is going to be my concern, as always, is going to be that MediaTek chip. Because media, like, MediaTek just doesn't, to me, it just doesn't perform that well. And if they're doing this because they want to be able to, to, to beef up other areas of this phone to bring it to a flagship-like standards, but then yield a very, very low price by opting a MediaTek chip over a Qualcomm chip. Um, no, no, no. I don't, I don't know how that will work out. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, we'll just have to stand by and watch. Because I'll say this: the the OnePlus Nord N10 5G is is a is a really awesome phone. I didn't expect to actually look at it and be like, "Wow, this is actually great." And my viewpoint is very different from a lot of people when it comes to the N10 5G. Um, because a lot of people that, that look at OnePlus like to say, like, well, this is very close to the Pixel phones. And I beg to differ. It's not close to the Pixel phones. The way that it looks, the way that it behaves, your interaction with the user interface is not the same. And I know because I use Pixel phones. But I'm not saying that it's a bad experience with the N10 5G. I'm just looking at it for what it is. It is a OnePlus device. And while it has all these nifty features that OnePlus feels its consumers would find to be advantages, I'm more of just like, this is actually a clean look. I like the way Oxygen OS looks. Sure, it has its quirks to it. You just have to get used to it. It's a learning. It's, a, it's not really a learning curve. It's just adaptability. You know, if, if you're a longtime user of Android, using any different type of version of Android with a UI on top of it that's different from stock Android is just adaptability. I mean, you you will find the similar things in it. Obviously, Android is Android. Let's just call it what it is. But it doesn't make it any, you know, it's, it's not like a learning curve, like if you're switching from Android to Windows OS. Coffee, good morning. Or, yeah. Wait. Good morning for me. So, 
Well, I guess that's good morning for you too as well. It might be like, you know, like late night, uh, early morning. No, no, you're in the afternoon. You're ahead of us. Duh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, welcome, welcome to the show. So um, while, while I'm going to say that, I will say this to the OnePlus Nord 2. And that is, um, I guess that MediaTek chip could make the difference. You know, people will look at that and some people will just be like, okay, you know, they'll go for the price point of it. If, but the price point has to be marginally different from the OnePlus 9. It cannot be like something minor, like a difference of 50 bucks. Otherwise, the OnePlus 9 is just going to eat Nord 2 up. And and, and that, that's just the way it is. You know, you got to think how consumers think, right? When people go to the store to buy something, when let's say you're going to go in and get, you know, AA batteries, right? So you decide to go with the normal four-pack, so four AA's in a pack, and that goes, let's, let's say that, you know, hypothetically pricing for it is like $3.50. But then you see that an eight pack is uh, $3.75. Well, obviously you're going to, you're going to eat the cost of 25 cents and get more out of it. So that's the, that, that's, that's what could happen to the OnePlus Nord too. I'm just saying. So anyways, uh, yeah, for at this point, you leave your interesting thoughts there. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty interesting to see where uh, OnePlus is going with this, with Nord 2. And, um, yeah, eventually I will get to doing uh, my final thoughts on the Nord N10 5G uh, when I get to that point. Um, also up, basically, this is kind of interesting. So uh, Nintendo setting to release a Switch later on this year, or that could launch this year. Uh, with both a 7-inch OLED panel and 4K output. This is kind of interesting. And this uh, article was written by XDA, so let me go ahead and drop that in the chat so you guys can bookmark it and read it later on for yourselves. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in this. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's dive right into it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Nintendo Switch with a 7-inch Samsung OLED panel. 4K output could launch later this year, says XDADevelopers.com. Uh, new Nintendo Switch is said to be in the works and could launch later this year, just in time for the holiday season. This isn't the first time we are hearing about a new Nintendo Switch model, but now a fresh report suggests that Nintendo might be looking at Samsung to provide bigger OLED displays. According to sources, Speaking to Bloomberg, Samsung Display is expected to start mass-producing 7-inch OLED panels with 720p resolution by June. There is an initial an initial monthly target of a million units. While the displays are slated to be shipped for assembly around July, the report from Bloomberg also says representatives for Nintendo and Samsung Display have not given an official statement on the matter as of yet. The move to an OLED display will not only mean increased brightness with improved colors and contrast, but also that the console will have slightly better battery life as well. Nintendo seems to have gone for a rigid OLED panel uh, for the new model, which will be cheaper but less flexible. This means that it won't be as impressive as the ones you see on high-end smartphones. Uh, it is also being said that the new Nintendo Switch will offer 4K resolution when hooked up to a TV. The current generation console can only scale to 1080p. That could be a valuable addition to the Switch lineup as we would bring it to par with more recently released Xbox Series X, Series S, and Sony PlayStation 5. Considering Nintendo has been relying on NVIDIA 
for the graphics hardware on the Switch, we cannot negate the possibility of a new AI-based upscaling, maybe even DLSS, Deep Learning Super Sampling. So this is kind of interesting when it comes to the Nintendo Switch that I feel like um, this is kind of like a good move. You know, I mean, yes, it's not pumping out like, you know, um, a completely different um, game console, but more of a refresh. Now, when it comes to Samsung OLED panels, one of the first things that comes to a lot of people's minds is, of course, battery saving. It will save on battery because in order for Samsung OLED panels to replicate the color black, all it initially does is just turns off that pixel. So anywhere on the screen that has that, that is, you know, um, coded to represent the color black, all the pixels in that area, the little mini pixels in there, just shut off to replicate black. Unlike um, LED panels that have a, you know, a pixel that switches out colors, you know what I mean? You know, like it'll switch red, yellow, blue, you know, it just replicates all these colors and it will also replicate black, which still is consuming battery life. Now me, I am an avid Nintendo Switch player. I have this Nintendo Switch Lite. Uh, my son has his Nintendo Switch that hooks up to the TV. But I like to play on the Nintendo Switch Lite. I play Streets of Rage 4. I have um, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary, um, which, you know, I'm going to be... My kids want to challenge me on it. I can't believe they don't just take my word for it that I'm pretty badass at Street Fighter. They want to see it. They want to challenge me. They think they could beat me. They really think they could beat me. So... Yeah, I made a deal with them. Only one of the matches that I play against my daughters, I will use Akuma because of he has the Shungoku Satsu, the Raging Demon, uh, which would put him down pretty quickly. But all the other ones, you know, I will negate from using Akuma, Ryu, or Ken. Um, if we're playing Street Fighter 3, I will not use Ryu, Ken, Akuma, or even Sean. Um, any one of the characters that, that basically train in on Satsuken, I'm not going to use them. So um, that would be, you know, like for like a Street Fighter Alpha series, I'd be using like Charlie or uh, Chun-Li or, you know, any of those. But staying away from Ryu and Ken because those are my go-to characters. And so I think that's a pretty decent handicap um, to allow my kids a chance to whoop me in the game. But other than that, I mean, they're about to get, they're about to get it handed to them, literally. Just a side note, but I mean, you know, the, the, the Nintendo Switch, you know, well, first of all, when the Nintendo Switch launched, I was actually kind of impressed how it was like, a, it was basically like a three in one. I mean, it was a handheld when you had um, the Joy-Cons connected to the side of it. Um, you can take the Joy-Cons off and use them as individual controllers for like, you know, mobile gaming in co-op mode so you have two people playing and then you can dock the joy cons into um, a controller harness to make it one controller itself and then dock the switch into its dock that connects hdmi to a tv and use it as a full console so it means a three in one that's actually a pretty damn good idea you know which is great because it eliminated them having to have a, a catalog of like you know, a main video game console and then a portable console. I mean, portable consoles are great. Most people game on their smartphones today. That tells you just like how popular portable consoles are. But when you have a video game console that can be all those things, that's what really impressed me about the Nintendo Switch. And, 
you know, when I play the game on my Nintendo Switch, um, the graphics and everything like that in the Streets of Rage 4 is just still popping for me. Even though, yeah, it's 2D side-scrolling, you know, they, just, um, they really just like, you know, the the uh, color representations has just been really revamped and, you know, just really good. Um, I can only imagine how it will look on a 720p OLED panel. Now, I, of course, I know it's not going to be like when you have... Um, Per se, a Samsung you know, OLED screen on the Galaxy S21 is not going to be like that. Again, we have to think of a few things. 720p uh, display, so not even full HD. Um, and then we also have to think of the size of the display. It's seven inches. The more bigger the display is with the lower resolutions, the more it's going to look a little dull. That's something that I told a lot of people a lot of times. People that would argue the case and talk about, well, you know, I've got to have 4K on a 5-inch display. And I'm like, well, there's a smaller display. So even if you scale down to 1080p, it's going to look pretty good. Of course, um, people like to argue that point. However, I will say that uh, this is actually a pretty good move from Nintendo to kind of go this route. I'm very interested in to see what this would become. And then will there be a Switch Lite 2? Will there be a light version of the future Switch that would probably have, you know, a smaller OLED display? And, um, you know, because, I mean, we have to excuse the 4K output if they were to make, like, a Switch Lite 2. Just because um, the, uh, the Switch Lite does not dock to a TV. I mean... I haven't tried it yet, but a lot of people have told me already. Like, I have not docked this into, like, the Switch dock and see if it will run as a console mode. Um, so people said that they tried and it doesn't work. I don't know if there's a way to, like, bypass it or whatever. Because the one thing that I do like about Nintendo Switches, and this is actually the cool part, is you can dual boot a Nintendo Switch. You can literally put Android on a Nintendo Switch, and when you turn on your Switch, you can choose which one it boots, whether it boots the proprietary software for Nintendo Switch gaming, or if you have it boot Android. And then if it boots Android... Sorry, scam calls. If it boots Android, just imagine downloading you know emulator apps you can be playing all kinds of old school games like downloading a sega genesis emulator downloading a super nintendo emulator the list goes on so that is the other reason why that like you know i gravitate when it comes to you know a console why i gravitate to nintendo you know for that reason and so i'm very 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 interested in seeing where this goes with the nintendo switch very interested now, it doesn't give any specifications or the specifications, but specifics on when this would launch. But judging from what they said about how um, Samsung is going to mass produce um, these 7-inch OLED panels, and they're going to have it mass produced by June, and um, you know some of the dates talk about July, I'm thinking that this Switch that Nintendo intends to release with a much better display and 4K output... I'm expecting it to drop quarter four, probably for the holidays and, 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 you know, gear up for, you know, Black Friday sales and Christmas sales and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, be on the lookout for that. If you are into the Nintendo Switch, be on the lookout for that. Um, hopefully, they don't do any drastic changes and that this Nintendo Switch will be backwards compatible to uh, older Switch games and not change up the cartridge size or any of that stuff. But I will keep on top of this new Switch that, should and might be coming down the road give more information once that drops so 
we'll take it from Keemstar here. <laughs> I always wanted to do this, so I'm going to do it now just for the hell of it. Um, so also in the news, <laughs> uh, Google VR dreams are dead and Google Cardboard is no longer for sale. This was written up by Ars Technica. So uh, I'm pop this in the link and kind of talk about this. This is kind of sad, very sad. But again, you know, this is not a surprise. That's what I will say. It's not a surprise at all. Um, so here we go. Uh, Google's VR dreams are dead. And uh, yeah, Google Cardboard is no longer for sale. Um, so what they say on Ars Technica is Google's last surviving VR product is dead. Today, the company stopped selling the Google Cardboard VR viewer on the Google Store. The last move in a long wind down of Google's once ambitious VR efforts. The message of the Google Store, which was first spotted by Android Police, reads, we are no longer selling Google Cardboard on the Google Store. But very subtle, Google. <laughs> very subtle. Goes on to say that Google Cardboard was a surprise hit at Google I.O. 2015 and moved the entry point for, v- for VR lower than anyone had imagined previously. The device was literally a piece of cardboard shaped like a VR headset and the special plastic lenses. Google built a cardboard app for Android and iOS, which would let any uh, any suitable or suitably high-end phone powered, powered the, the, bleh, powered the headset. Uh, the landscape display split into left and right views for your eyes. Uh, the phone hardware rendered a VR game, and the accelerometers did a 3-DOF, so that's degrees of freedom, head tracking. Uh, there was even a cardboard action button on the handset, which would boop the touchscreen with a capacitive pad. You could aim with your head and select options in a VR environment. Since the product was just cardboard and plastic lenses with no electronics whatsoever, Google sold the headset for just 20 bucks. I remember this thing because I remember when, when Google launched, um, was it the, uh, the Daydream? Um, but anyways, uh, after Cardboard, Google started to scale up its VR ambitions. In 2016, Google also launched an upscaled version of Google Cardboard, the Google Daydream VR headset. Yeah, I remember that because that launched around the uh, the Pixel 1. And uh, I always wanted one, but it was like, yeah. Uh, this was plastic and cloth version of the foam-powered VR headset and the key improvements of a head strap and a small controller for 80 bucks. Yeah, that was the difference. The Google Cardboard doesn't have a head strap. So you literally had to hold one, had to hold it with your hand, and then guide with, you know, the, the little touchpad thing on the right. But, I mean, you can see, like, how annoying it was to be walking around in the VR mode and just, like, holding this thing the whole time. So Daydream, you know, had headbands, so you can just, like, put it on your head, over your eyes. Um, and then it had a VR controller so you can, you know, play games that required you to move without you having to actually move and all this other stuff. So uh, anyways, uh, next, Google started to pile on software support. VR support was also built into Android 7 Nougat in 2016, allowing Google to make latency-reducing graphics pipeline improvements in the core OS. Google started certifying devices for enhanced Daydream support laying out best hardware and software practices for virtual reality. 
Android got a virtual reality home screen and added a special notification style so apps could still alert you in the 3D VR interface. A VR version of the Play Store lets users download the latest VR experience in 3D. VR support came to YouTube and Google Streets View, and together with Mozilla, the Chrome team launched WebVR. Google's best app was Tilt Brush, a killer piece of a VR painting software. I'm not going to read too much into that, but okay, so let's just kind of go on this right now. So another another service pretty much joins the rest of the other services killed off by Google because, um, yeah, just Google's just giving up on it. And this this is why nobody really trusts Google when it comes to these things. When Google's like, we're going to become ambitious and we're going to create something that's going to be life-changing and we're going to bring it to the world, everybody, well, not everybody, but most people's reactions is like, how long till that thing dies? <laughs> because Google is that way. Google doesn't back a lot of its projects. Like, could you imagine if Google just weighed the anchor down, burrowed their head in the mud, and just grinded forward with virtual reality, where would virtual reality with Google be about five years from now? Let's just say that. Um, I had a feeling that virtual reality with Google was going to be killed off. It is the reason why I didn't invest in virtual reality. Okay, Had Google made good strides and continued to push forward with virtual reality, I definitely would have then invested in Google Daydream. Or, you know, and, and bought Google um, Google Cardboard for my kids to, you know, experience virtual reality with their smartphones um, that could handle it. Because trust me, I got some old pixels here they could have used. One sec. The problem is, is that Google tends to kill off things. You look at Google, Google Plus, a very good social platform, one that, you know, I guess, you know, people can, you know, some people are like looking back at Google Plus and they're like, oh, yeah, the, the, there was free speech there. And uh, never mind the free speech stuff. Never mind that. Never mind um, all that kind of hogwash. Let's focus on one uh, no, on Google Plus as what what you could do on there. There wasn't a lot of uh, a lot of bullshit. Let's just call it for what it is. There wasn't a lot of bullshit on Google Plus. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great place to basically share photos, share, you know, your thoughts, join groups that were very active, more active than groups that's on Facebook. I'll, I'll tell anyone that hand down Google, Google plus um, groups were, are and were more active than what Facebook has today. Just calling a spade a spade. So VR from Google now had its grave dug throughout the past couple of years. It's been laid to rest, and now there is a beautiful, beautiful-looking headstone with uh, Google Cardboard, Google Daydream, VR. <laughs> it's so sad to say that, but, I mean, they, they, they kill everything that could potentially propel the company to newer heights so they can stop relying on advertisement. <laughs> I mean, come on. If Google was the leading in in, in leading in the industry of virtual reality. You imagine. I mean, did they not? Did anybody at Google not watch Ready Player One? Did anyone at Google not watch that? Because if you think about that movie, outside the fact that it had a lot of retro throwbacks and Easter eggs and stuff like that, I am plus, trust me, besides the internship, Ready Player One is probably one of my top favorite, like, 
geeked out movies to watch. That's one that I will go freaking bananas over. But Ready Player One, the whole idea, the, the synopsis of that movie was that people were living in a virtual world. This guy named James Halliday built the Oasis. And the Oasis was a gigantic virtual world with many different many different games that could be played. And people would earn money by playing this. This is what people worked hard in their real life was to get money, get credits, to buy things in the Oasis. Because uh, there was a contest that if you found uh, Halliday's Easter egg, you would then own the Oasis because Halliday had passed away. So you would inherit ownership of the Oasis, control of the Oasis, and his stocks in the Oasis. And um, that would make you like the most richest person in the world. But the point is, is that from that movie, Ready Player One, it showed the potential of what virtual reality could be. Now, trust me when I say this, while it is sounding good, virtual reality basically being what everyone is addicted to would definitely scare the fuck out of anybody. Um, what are the specs for the Nord 2? They didn't drop the specs. They just said that it was going to have a, um, a MediaTek chip. So when that comes, I'll cover more on the Nord 2. Um, but that, I mean, that, that's the thing. That's the scary part about it was being trapped in the virtual world. So when I look at Google and Google kills off something like VR, it's just like they must not be hip to the fact because if they saw Ready Player One, then they can definitely see the freaking potential that virtual reality could have and could be. I mean, everybody already kind of goes towards this digital world. You think about it, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that stuff. You can be whatever you want to be because people that follow you on there don't know you personally, right? Like I could have portrayed to be a wealthy podcaster and no one would know. No one would know unless you met me in person and realized that, hey, this guy's poor. You know, but you could be whatever you want to be. You can, you know, you can, you can pretend to be, you know, a, a, of a different ethnicity. You can pretend to be, you know, a different gender. You can, you can do whatever you want on Facebook. No, there's no rules to it. I mean, why do you think catfishing exists? You know, people will catfish other people to get some sort of pleasure out of it. You know, um, the, the digital world has already got its hooks in just about every human out here. And so when you when you take that and you amplify it with a virtual world, now there you have banging ideas to capitalize money, capitalism at its finest. And I don't think Google really saw the potential in that. That or they just got some lazy fucking developers, one of the two, because <laughs> there's mass potential for VR. Like today, AR is a good thing. Augmented reality is a good thing. I, I, I like playing Pokemon Go. But nothing really gives you the full experience than virtual reality. That's just facts. Catch up with this. Maverick says, I never bought Google VR cardboard, but I did win and collect all the Google VR stars, Star Wars cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, Eric says, hey, Tina, I probably missed this, but what's your take on the OnePlus Nord N10 5G? I'm actually going to be doing um, a final review on that. So um, just keep it locked. And um, turn notifications on and stuff like that. If you follow me on social, like Twitter, I will post it on Twitter when I'm going to do it. Um, but just right now, just real quick, um, I am not disappointed with the Nord N10 5G. That's the most I'll give right now because I don't want to give too much away and take away from the actual full review. Uh, Jose is in the building. What's up? What's going on, Jose? Metalhead555. 
Uh, Tito, in the past, you have said Google usually closes down some of their services and features. Do you think they will do that with Google Pay? No, I don't think that they'll do that with Google Pay only because with Google Pay, you're actually linking your your payment methods to it, and that's beneficial for them. Um, too beneficial, as a matter of fact. And it, and, and it makes it easier. Again, it kind of ties back into their whole advertisement route. It makes it easier for them to sell products to you and make sure that you're hooked to buy those products when your payment method is pretty much linked with them. You know, because one one thing that they have done and they've run case studies on this is that most people tend to really think like when you're setting up to purchase something and you have to go and put in your debit information and, you know, the date of the card and, you know, the the security three digit ID on the back of the card. While people take the time to plug that information in, they're also thinking, should I buy this thing? Should I really can I afford this or, or can I afford this monthly? You know, and that gives enough time for them to. um change their mind and then cancel cancel the uh the sell what's up my daily side um so when you have services like google pay which makes it easier for you to just click and accept payment once you've once you've done the initial setup of connecting your payment method to google pay when you go into like say the google store pitches to get for you to buy the pixel 45g and you've always wanted and you're like yeah i'm gonna go get it you know what i mean but then you haven't really thought about other things you have to pay for but your 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 payment method's connected when you go to the Google store and then you, you set to pay, it gives you the option to choose Google pay, right? Once you click Google pay, boom, the payment is done. It's, it's hit your banking. So they know that that's a way for them to make money and account. It sounds kind of scandalous, but I mean, that's it's not because uh, you're in full control, whether you buy the product or not, that's their excuse. They're going to throw back at you. If you were able to say like, Oh, you guys, you guys made me feel like a cheap whore. That's what they're going to say. Uh, let's see. Is the Nord better than the pixel 45 G? Uh, in my humble opinion, they're they're on par, but the 4A 5G edge is over. I'm just gonna say that. Stock Android to me will always out outclass anything with the with the user interface on top. Jose um, says, <laughs> "Have you tried the dual SIM with the Pixel 5 with the latest update? It now supports 5G. No, I haven't tried uh, the dual uh, SIM. Um, I haven't tried that yet." And uh, I don't know if I'm going to. I don't know. I really don't see a real, real, real reason to. I, I don't. Um, I don't prefer eSIM. I just don't. I really have seen, just from my time actually using eSIM, because I used to be all about the the eSIM, and I've noticed performance differences from an eSIM to an actual physical SIM. So I just rather stay physical SIM and just keep it singled. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they do that a lot in good services like Google social media loved and used that service versus any other social platform. Yeah. We're talking about Google plus. <laughs> and so now Google cardboard and VR from Google completely joins the graveyard. Like I said, it's got a nice, beautiful headstone. Um, maybe we should do some sort of like eulogy. Well, I think there's, there's a YouTuber that does that. Um, but yeah, we should do like a eulogy for Google cardboard. Right, do like a little prayer for it, you know, in nombre patri and fili and spiritu santi. Let's, you know, do like a little prayer for it because, again, it it, it baffles me. They had the potential to literally go the distance with virtual reality, and I, I think, you know, I just, I want to go on Google Campus. I want to, you know, I just want to grab everybody, take them away from their projects for like two hours, sit them down, and watch Ready Player One. And then look at them and say, what the fuck were you guys thinking with virtual reality and killing it off? Because the potential is there. That's just me. So anyways, uh, yeah, 
virtual reality is done and gone. And so the last half of this, we're actually going to be talking a little bit more about the Pixel 5a, Pixel 6. Um, just a little bit more thoughts about it, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, I covered it the last, uh, like, yesterday and the day before. Well, the night before, I talked about the Pixel 5a. And yesterday, we talked a little bit more about the Pixel Fold, the Pixel 6, and the Pixel 6 XL. Um, literally stating that, you know, I would really prefer Google to use its proprietary chip in the Pixel Fold and let that be like a test beta for it and then go with either the Snapdragon 870 and the Pixel 6 and 6XL and make those the last two devices to ever use a Qualcomm chip since Google is, and it's confirmed, Google is going in with their own proprietary chip, no longer relying on Qualcomm, which is fine by me because then that means that that, that sets the bar for where Google can price their Pixel 6. The thing that I'm actually more excited for is that it is rumored that the Pixel 6 and 6XL will actually use newer camera sensors. So that means the same camera sensor that we've seen in the Pixel 3, the Pixel 3a, the Pixel 4, the Pixel 4a, the Pixel 5, these camera sensors will now be updated in the Pixel 6. The Pixel 6 will use new sensors, and I'm really happy for that. That's one thing that I've kind of griped about Pixels is like they keep using the same damn camera sensor. And why do they keep doing that? You know, you, you mean, when you talk about, well, you know, we're trying to showcase how good our software is when it comes to um, photography. Like, yeah, that's all great, Google. That, that That's great. You know, big two thumbs up for you guys right there, too. But give us give us a damn good camera sensor and, you know, a much updated one. When you're using the same one, it's like, what makes, what I think of is like Google was like, yeah, let's get the Sony IMX363 sensor for our, our Pixel 3. How much should we need? Order 14 billion of them. And they had so much back stock from what the Pixel 3 sold and the 3XL sold that they were like, well, let's just put it in the Pixel 3A. And they did that. And let's put it in the Pixel 4. And they did that. Let's put it in the 4A. And they did it. And they put it in the 4A 5G. And then they put it in the 5. And it's like, because they had to get rid of back stock. That's what I think. I mean, I could be wrong. But when you're using the same damn sensor, it gets pretty freaking annoying. But people want new hardware, new things added in, you know, especially when you're repaying like, you know, anything above $700 for a phone. You want new things. You don't want a phone that's had the same camera sensors last year's model and the year prior. That's ridiculous. Uh, Metalhead says, do you think it's worth an upgrade from a Pixel 4a to the Pixel 5a or should I just get a 4a 5g? So here's the thing with that. Two days ago, I said, and I have to correct myself. So this is like my, this is my way of like doing a retraction. Two days ago, when I was talking about the Pixel 5a, I said that it would go with the 732. I was wrong. It's actually going to go with the 750. The 750G is going to be a step up from the 730. Now, you're comparing the Pixel 5a to the Pixel 4a. The gate even thinking about the Pixel 4a 5G. If you're on the 4a... The fact that the, the Pixel 5a is going to be 5G capable is already enough to say that, yeah, you should upgrade from the 4a. Because eventually, well, it's not eventually, it's happening now, but 5G is becoming you know so ready and available that um, lots of people are going to be able to take advantage of that. Whereas, like, you know how we had LTE and then 3G was, you know, sub underneath that in case you went to areas that didn't have LTE support, you would drop down to HSPA plus or, you know, on CDMA 3G. Um, th- that's how it's going to be. You're going to be on 5G access. And when you go to areas that don't have 5G access, you will drop to LTE, which is fine. LTE is great. Um, 
So from the 4A to the 5A, I would say, my opinion, like, yeah, it is, especially with the direction that the networks are going. And you want access to 5G, might as well. Now, if you're on a 4A 5G, no, it's not going to be in your best interest to upgrade to a Pixel 5A. It's just not. Uh, The Pixel 5a is already showing from a lot of different renders. It's already showing that it's going to have um, dual camera set up in the back. More than likely, it's going to have the 12.2 megapixel main wide angle shooter and then a 16 megapixel ultra wide angle shooter in the back. So you're getting the same camera sensors that you would get on the Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5 uh, Snapdragon 750G. So a bit more powerful. Um, but not as powerful as a 765G. And uh, I have to look through Qualcomm's website to see which modem is in the 750G. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the X52. We'll look that up right now. Let's see. Uh, just to kind of like get an idea. I hate my typing sucks. No. All right, let's see what comes up. I'll share this with you guys so you guys can see it too as well. But if you're thinking that the 750G would, in fact, access 5G using the uh, the X55 modem or even the X60 According to Qualcomm, it's the X52. Uh, So this system supports millimeter wave and sub-six spectrums, granting widespread access to 5G cloud gaming. That's what it's using. Uh, Well, let me make that bigger so everyone can see. That's what it's using, the X52 modem. So not really a drastic difference from the 765G, slightly less powerful than the 765G. So from the, the 4A... 4A 5G to the 5A doesn't make sense to do it because the 4A 5G is pretty much what the 5A is, except that it has a more powerful processor in it because the 4A 5G has the 765G and the 5A will house the uh, 750G. So um, besides that, it's going to have the same 8 megapixel front-facing selfie cam. It is going to have the 12.2 megapixel wide angle main camera sensor, and then the 16 megapixel ultra wide. Um, still be polycarbonate. I think it said 6.2 inch display or 6.1, one of the two. Um, so about the size of the, the Pixel 4a 5G. And then, yeah, I mean, the, like, well, a lot of people that's talking about the Pixel 5a, if you were to put the 4a 5G and the Pixel 5a side by side, you would not tell the difference between them. You would have to look at the power button to see the uh, texture of the power button on the Pixel 5a, which is different from the 4a 5G. So just, I'm going to say this, when the 5a drops and people are deciding like, hey, I'm going to go get one, regardless of what Tito and anybody else says, I want to get one just to have one. I'll tell you this much right now. If you're not buying it brand new, if you're looking on places like OfferUp for people who bought it and didn't like it and want to sell it and get their money back, be careful because someone can trick you with the 4a 5G. Look at the power button and see the texture. If the texture is the same as the 4a 5G, it is a 4a 5G. It's not a 5a. I just got to point that out there and make that very clear for everybody else. Um, Let's see. Maverick says, I'm looking forward to Microsoft um, HoloLens. It's the closest to virtual reality. Reminds me of Star Trek's uh, holodecks. You're actually in the game. Yeah. I mean, Google is just stupid for dropping the ball on that one. 
Should I get the Pixel 5a or wait for the 6? Depends on what you're willing to spend. Because right now, what I'm looking at is since the Pixel 5a is nearly a mirror image of the Pixel 4a 5G, I'm guessing it's going to yield a price of 400 to 450 bucks at launch. So um, the Pixel 6 is going to yield a pricing probably of $799 and up since it's kind of going back to a more premium build. And since this year for um, premium flagship, there's going to be three devices. You'll have the Pixel 6, the Pixel 6 XL, the Pixel Fold. Three devices this year um, for the premium lineup, one for the budget. So there is no talks of the Pixel 5a having an XL model. So... um, it's really on what you want to spend because at the end of the day, the experience of Android is stock and is well optimized with whatever processing chip that's being used in the phone. Android is optimized. Well, Google has shown that it can optimize its OS on a much more weaker processor or a much stronger processor. Either way it is going to run fluid. So really it just boils down to of like what types of features and stuff do you need? The pixel six um, supposedly beefing up its camera sensors and possibly even working on video Supposedly, it's supposed to become better. The experience overall in general is supposed to be better with the Pixel 6. Um, But that depends on what they use. If they use their own proprietary chip, it's going to be something that I would say people to wait on when it just comes to the Pixel 6 alone. Okay. So putting the 5A to the side now, because basically what I'm telling you now is that between the 5A and the 6, it's about what you're willing to spend. That's the clear difference there. Uh, But when it comes to the Pixel 6, I'm going to tell people, if they confirm that they're using their own proprietary chip, I would advise people to wait before buying the Pixel 6. Don't run out and get the Pixel 6 just so you can say, I have the Pixel 6. Who gives a shit if you have it first or if you got it two, three, four, or five months later? The problem that I'm having here and why I can't justify telling everybody, like, yes, run out and get the Pixel 6 at day of launch is because if they say confirmed that their proprietary chip will be in the 6 and 6XL, then we need to see how these chips are going to perform. Because if you're going to drop $799, because that's what I'm thinking that the base model is going to be, thinking that they're going to have a Pixel 6 base model, 128 gig, um, 12 gigs of RAM going for about $799, $899 if you get the 256 or a 512 model, if they actually make a 512 model. And then, of course, um, bump those up an additional $100 for the base model XL and then the more advanced storage XLs. Point being is, is that we don't know squat about Google's proprietary chip. We don't know. We know that Samsung is standing next to them, telling them, yeah, put this here and then you want to put that there and you want it to be about that size and it should fit on your board like this and you needed the architecture design like this like we know samsung is doing that they are assisting google with building their own proprietary chip because they are literally um also assisting google with a foldable display for their their pixel fold um, that's already been confirmed too. What are my thoughts and opinions on the Pixel Buds now? My thoughts and opinions on the Pixel Buds, I still use them. I still like them. I still like the sound quality out of them. Um, I'm just annoyed with the issues that it has with pairing. And because it has that issue, really, I haven't updated it. So thank you for reminding me of the Pixel Buds because maybe I should 
pair them with one of my Pixel phones today. That way they can get, you know, whatever update has been released for them and have an update and then see how it goes. Of course, I'd have to go to the gym and work out to kind of really see if it's going to have any disconnection issues and stuff like that. But to me in general with the Pixel Buds 2, they are great if you get them sub $100. I don't see them being $179.99. I just don't. Just is not what you're getting for them. Um, and I'm looking forward to a refresh of them. Maybe we'll see it this year or maybe next year, but hopefully Google's in the works of that. I really want Google to, to you know, like stop it with all the politics and all that stuff that they're getting involved in. And, you know, like basically like to shut the fuck up and get back into the lab and build us a pixel watch. That's something that we need. That's something that we've been wanting for a long time. Like you got, you got ownership of Fitbit. So put that shit to use and build us a damn watch. That's what I want. Instead of, you know, going like, oh yeah, you know, with the pixel drop that we just did for you from March, put your finger on the camera sensor to get your heart rate. Like, no, build me a watch that can like take my heart rate while I'm walking or while I'm jogging, right? Because with this new feature, with the latest uh, pixel drop features for pixels, putting your finger to get your heart rate on the back camera sensor, you have to stand still. So you got to work out. You got to get your heart pumping, get that blood flowing. You got to stop and then put your finger on the camera. And try to stay still. So ridiculous. Spill this a watch already, Google. That's what I want. Um, fold phones makes zero sense to me. Um, people just kind of want that. You know, people want, I guess, innovation. And what could be more innovative right now than going away from a candy bar style phone to a phone that's touchscreen that can fold? You know, um, I think for the Android side, the reason why like the like the foldable display has, you know, taken some interest from a lot of consumers is because while Android tablets did not have the same popularity as iPads did or do, there are still people who are wanting a much larger display to use Android on. And, you know, a two-in-one type scenario is kind of what they're trying to go for, you know. When you have a phone that has an outer display that's touchscreen like the like the Samsung Galaxy Fold 2, and you can literally maneuver like you would on any smartphone on that, but then let's say you want to open it up for a much more wider display, tablet size, micro tablet size, you can you can open it up and boom, there it is. So that that's that's why it's um catching uh popularity when it comes to foldable displays and stuff like that. I have never seen anyone in my life using one. That's because it costs quite a bit, bro. I can't even even if I won the lottery, I couldn't justify spending two thousand dollars on a foldable phone. Samsung Galaxy Fold Two was like two grand just for the phone. I can get me a decent used um, Honda Civic EK Nine for like twelve hundred bucks <laughs> with low mileage on it. You know, um, that's that's a car. You know, can you imagine somebody like, yeah, I just, I just bought me an, uh, a used car so I can travel around the city and get to where I need to go. What'd you get? I got me a phone, <laughs> a phone that could drop and break or a phone that someone could rob you for when they figure out what it is. Because trust me, there's people out there that will actually look at your phone because they're looking to jack you. I really wish Google made a new pair of Pixel Buds, like you said, and also wish they made a new and very advanced tablet laptop device. All the previous ones from Google I've heard were terrible. The Pixel Book to me is not terrible. I'm using the Pixel Book Go. So the latest one that released, was it last last year or the year before? I think it was the year before. Didn't it release with the Pixel 4? One of the two. Yeah, it had to be the Pixel 4 because I didn't hear anything about the Pixel Book Go last year during the Pixel 5 launch event. So anyways, um, 
But this this uh this laptop is actually pretty solid. I've had no problems at all whatsoever. None, no hiccups, nothing like that. Yo, what's up? Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Hey, how's it going, Luke? Um, I don't think I'm the best tech guy ever, but I appreciate it, man. Uh, I'm pretty average or whatever. But hey, you know, all you guys in the chat, check out his check out his videos. Subscribe to his channel. You know, he does talk tech. He does talk Boost Mobile. He does talk prepaid. But you know, um, he's also an underground artist from uh, from Baltimore. I'm gonna get that right. And uh, his music is actually pretty dope. Y'all should check it out. Um, <laughs> nah, metalhead. I don't think I'm the best tech guy ever. Uh, but I, I thank you guys so much for that. I really appreciate it. I don't want a new phone. I want. You want Google Plus back? I, I I can say I want Google Plus back also as well. I really do. Um, I I, I miss that platform. <laughs> it's just is with all the ones that we have today. It's just crazy. It's really crazy. So, um, but yeah, I'll I will say. Um, the Pixelbook Go has been it's been a solid laptop. Of course, it's uh, six hundred and forty nine dollars at Best Buy for it. Um, so I mean that's something that you got to take in consideration. It is quite pricey. You know, so if you actually go on places like OfferUp or Macari and see if you can find someone that's maybe selling it for like 400 bucks or whatever, you get it at a good deal. Um, yeah. Do I feel like I got took for spending $708 on this uh, this Chromebook? No. It's actually doing what I needed to do. And I got to say one major thing, the battery life is phenomenal. Like before I started this live stream, I was at 100% battery. I took it off the charger. Um, and... Let's see. We've been live for almost an hour already, or about an hour, two minutes to an hour, and in one hour from doing this live stream and uh, and whatnot, it's gone down about fifteen percent. It's about to well, it's about to drop to eighty five percent. It's at eighty six percent right now. It's about fourteen fifteen percent. That's not bad because I've seen Chromebooks that can deplete battery a lot faster doing a live stream, doing a stream like this, you know, with with all the graphic intense things that's being, you know, funneled through the internet for you guys to view it on your end. Yeah, it it can get pretty intense. So the battery on this thing is decent. When I'm not live streaming and I'm just like watching movies and stuff like that, it's solid as hell. The audio from the Pixelbook Go, the speakers, these tiny little speakers here, which I, I forgot I have to do a review on this soon. But this is, the audio on this is badass. I mean, it's got nice punchy bass to it, but the bass is not overbearing. There's no rattling to the casing itself. And then you have the clarity from like the mids and the tweets or tweeters. And um, yeah, it's just, it's very clear, but you just, you can feel like when you play a game, when you watch a movie, you can feel the audio. It's just, it's great. Like it's, I don't know for a laptop. It is because I have other Chromebooks here and um, they're, they're pretty flat. Their speakers, I wouldn't call it a speaker. I call it a squawk box. It's pretty flat. Um, but anyways, guys, that is pretty much it for today's show. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section. If you're watching this as a replay, hashtag nerd up so I know that you watch and you'll level up. Uh, for those that joined in and uh, and interacted and everything, thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the um, the flattering comments. Um, yeah, I just I just do what I do. I do what I love to do on here. Uh, whether people watch or people don't watch, you guys may notice, but I will do a live stream. I will do uh, a podcast always. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, and um, those who watch the replay, please leave comments on your thoughts on each of the subjects that we talked about. And, and before I go, let's take a moment of silence for Google VR now that it's in the Google graveyard.
and back to the show. And um, I will see you guys tomorrow morning. Um, thank you much. Thank you so much for joining me today. You guys are you guys are awesome. Love you guys very much. Be cool out there. And uh, yeah, peace. <laughs>